You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ and others, and grows together in faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, July 11, 2021, by the Reverend Lex Breckenridge, rector at St. Thomas. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. King Herod heard of Jesus and his disciples, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests, and the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask for me, whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved. Yet out of regard for his oaths and for his guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. In last Sunday's sermon, we spent time taking a pretty granular look at the humanity of the Apostle Paul. He confessed to the church in Corinth that he had what he called a thorn in the flesh, a weakness, a flaw, a brokenness that reminded him of his humanity kept him from being too full of himself, from boasting, as he put it, of his relationship with God in Christ. Paul had had an ecstatic vision of what he called the third heaven, and this thorn reminded him not to be too proud of himself. He didn't say any more to the Corinthians about what exactly that third heaven experience might have been, only that this thorn in the flesh, which he didn't describe, 
kept him from taking himself too seriously, from thinking he was special. And when Paul had asked God to relieve this burden, here was the surprising divine response. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Here then is the great paradox of the spiritual life. Vulnerability, humility, honesty about ourselves and about our weaknesses is the key to spiritual maturity. Another way to frame this is to say that as our individual egos and our egoic desires for power and control, for safety and security, for affection and esteem decrease, we're drawn ever closer to the divine heart, ever closer to the really real, which means the eternal. Now, Paul's insights about our individual spiritual paths are born out of his cosmic perspective. And we get a look at that cosmic perspective this morning in the opening of his letter to the church in Ephesus. It's a celebration of creation and the creator. The creator who has chosen and created all humanity to be united in bonds of love with the creator and with one another. And the key here is chosen in Christ, Paul says. The Christ event from the foundation of the universe draws together what we think of as heaven and earth. The, the, the Christ event closes the gap between heaven and earth. Heaven and earth and all humanity are one in Christ. Remember that Paul says elsewhere, you are no longer male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free, but all are one in Christ. But as this creation story unfolds, we look around us and see division and polarization. I mean, why is that? If the creator created humanity to be bound together in love, why is there conflict and division? Because the creator gives creation and human beings choices. It's this thing we call free will. We can choose to let go of our egoic desires for power and control, our egoic desires to uh, shape the world in our own image. Or we can move towards union with Christ, uh, with the creator and creation. That's one choice we can make. Or we can choose another path, the path of selfishness. The path that says, I don't trust the creator to be in control, so I'll be in control. It's the path of domination, the path of dog-eat-dog, dog, the path of survival of the fittest. It's the path that imagines that security can only be found in creating hierarchies where I and, and the ones who look like me are at the top. That is the choice that's ever before us. Which path, which kingdom will we choose? This morning's gospel reading provides a great illustration of these two kingdoms. You remember that last week we heard Jesus sending out his followers two by two to the towns and villages to heal and cast out demons. And off they go on the first missionary journey, demonstrating that the kingdom of God is drawn near by healing, teaching, building relationships. This kingdom of God brings new life. This kingdom of God shows us the world that the creator intends. 
there's another kingdom we can choose. The kingdom of this world is represented by Herod and his court. I mean, what an interesting family. If you're a fan of Game of Thrones, you'll immediately recognize Herod and all of his buddies. Adultery, debauchery, palace intrigues around power and sex. It's the kind of story that's all over our live streams these days. And, of course, all over the, the evening news. This is a world about gaining power and holding on to power by dominating and destroying your enemies. Competition, fear, envy, dishonesty, those are the driving forces of this kingdom. And, of course, it's not just on Netflix. It's, on, it's the reality of the cable news that we see every night. I mean, my God, we've just lived through it, haven't we? And we're continuing to live through it. The palace intrigues, the dishonesty, the cruelty, the drive for domination, the corruption are so commonplace, we're numb to them. As if there's no other way to be in the world. And that's why Mark puts this story here where he does in this context. So we've just seen Jesus send out his disciples in complete vulnerability, armed with nothing and nothing less than faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're to depend on the hospitality of others and offer mercy and healing with no expectation that they'll get anything back. And right after the story of Herod's lurid birthday party that we just read, Mark's going to tell us about another kind of feast. We'll read this story next week. It's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's a feast of mercy. Instead of the, the selfish and the shameless and the corrupt who attend Herod's banquet, this feast is for the poor and the hungry. Instead of political trickery and cutthroat competition being the dominant theme, it's grace and blessing and astonishing abundance that are the, the dominant themes that mark this banquet. Those are the stories Mark serves up to us. I mean, which kingdom do we want to live in? Which kingdom will we choose? <clears throat> of course, you know, we live in the world as it is and we can't run away from it. But to which kingdom will you give your heart? Well, sure, we want to live in Jesus' kingdom, right? But Mark makes it clear, living in vulnerability and living in devotion to the truth as John did, living dependent on mercy and grace as Paul does, and that can get you killed. So there's that. But you know, if we give our hearts to the world of power and brutal competition and corruption, there's no security in that either. Because once we make power and control the most important goals in life, we'll always be vulnerable to someone or something that has more power. Look at Game of Thrones. Look at the evening news. There's not much security there either, is there? So there's the choice, the two kingdoms. There's the world as it is, Herod's world, and the world we long for, Jesus' world. A world where all are welcomed and valued and cared for. So which will you choose? Seems like an easy answer, except there's a catch. And the catch is really Mark's gospel in a nutshell. The catch is that in order to be drawn into Jesus' kingdom, you have to die. That's right. 
you got to die. Die to all the things that we think are so important. Die to the game of thrones. Die to the game of power and control and selfishness. Die to the game of putting ourselves and our desires first and the hell with everything else and everyone else. Die to the need to be in control and to be in charge of everything. Man, that's really hard to do. It's hard to do for me, I guarantee you. It's hard to do for all of us. But it's the necessary death if we're to have all we really and truly want. And what's that? Love, acceptance, meaning, purpose in life. Mark's story is folded into the biblical story, and the biblical story over and over presents these differing visions of the world. There's the world of power and domination and material anxiety. That's the world that's in a constant feedback loop. You know, it's like another great movie, Groundhog Day. You remember Groundhog Day? That's where Bill Murray's character wakes up to a 6 a.m. alarm, and it's the same day over and over and over and over again. That's a world that's truly not going anywhere. But there's another world in the biblical story. The world of God's in-breaking kingdom. That's a world that has meaning and purpose. It's a world that's headed somewhere. It's a world that's headed to a place we call heaven. A place that, believe it or not, is already here. It's been unfolding since the moment of creation. We just need to open our eyes and surrender to it. Paul's ecstatic vision of that third heaven that he described to the Corinthians, which is his description of the creator's vision for creation that Paul described to the Ephesians, and it's really the vision that, that, that David had that we read about just a moment ago when he danced before the Lord. He's dancing in ecstasy because, because the kingdom has come near, the kingdom has come close, and David gets that, he understands that. And it's all here and now. And that's the choice that's ever before us. Jesus' kingdom or Herod's kingdom. So let me leave you with another take on Paul's description to the Ephesians that, uh, that we are, Paul's description of the creator and, and the creator's creation and the creator's purpose. It's from the contemporary theologian Brian McLaren, and it's really also a description of the third heaven. And when I uh, ran across it day before yesterday, it just resonated with me deeply. Here's what Brian McLaren says. Imagine a moment before the big bang banged. Imagine a creativity, brilliance, fertility, delight, energy, power, glory, wisdom, wonder, greatness, and goodness sufficient to express itself in what we know as the universe. Try to imagine it, even though you know you can't. A creative imagination and energy so great that it would produce light, gravity, time, and space, galaxies, stars, planets, and oceans. Mountains, valleys, deserts, and forests, gorillas, dolphins, golden retrievers, labradoodles, Ashley, and us. And then dare to imagine that this is the great, big, beautiful, mysterious goodness, wholeness, and aliveness that surrounds us and upholds us even now. Finally, try to imagine that this is also the great, big, beautiful, mysterious goodness, wholeness, and aliveness into which all of us and all creation will be taken up in a marriage, in a homecoming, in a reunion, in a celebration. 
The whole story flows toward reconciliation, not in human creeds or constitutions, but in love. The love of the one who gave us being and life. So our journey in the story of creation, the adventure of Jesus, and the global uprising of the Spirit has come full circle. It all came from God in the beginning, and now it all comes back to God in the end. So there you have it, right? This kingdom of God is here, and we're right in the middle of it. So let's celebrate that on this beautiful summer day. I mean, why would we choose to live in Herod's kingdom when we can choose to live in the kingdom of love instead? Amen. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website, www.stthomasmedina.org. That's a www.stthomasmedina.org.